0: ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. So, Norman, it's not really compulsory to wear a mask kind of anywhere in Australia anymore as of now or in a couple of days. Have you been continuing the trend?
1: Yeah, so...
0: Come on, be real with me. I want, I want real talk. No one's listening. It's fine.
1: No. No. I haven't been there. I mean, I don't go out if I've got symptoms. I just don't go out if I've got symptoms. And um, so spread because I suppose if you were in in 95, you'd be okay. But I don't... In terms of protecting other people, really important. And I'm pretty well covered, so I don't wear one myself. Interestingly, I was giving... A talk yesterday at a book festival in Sydney, and uh, there was only one person in the audience wearing a mask. So I do find it, you know, and on on planes, I do find that there's a small number of people still wearing masks. I get the sense though that they're protecting themselves rather than necessarily protecting other people.
0: Absolutely. I mean, as they as they can and should. I am a little bit disappointed because early in the pandemic, I invested in some very cute. Masks, like, but they were cloth masks, and then according to you and other people in the know, they weren't actually doing very much to protect me, and no, I had to sort of, right. I mean, upgrade in one sense and downgrade in a sartorial sense to uh, better N95 masks.
1: I've still got a, a pack of N95 masks in my um, backpack that I carry around with me, so I've, I'm ready for action should it, uh, should it arise. But you know, I, I can't lie in a Corona cast because people catch me out. If I said I was wearing a mask all the time, we would be swamped by people who've seen me in woolies and said
0: he's a liar. People know what the lower half of your face looks like, Norman, and they're not they're not um, backward in calling it out when they see it.
1: Yeah, the upper half and the lower half. Yep, <laughs> too much information.
0: <laughs> all right, well, let's get into it. It is, of course, Coronacast, the show all about the coronavirus and other, sometimes other viral nasties as well. I'm health reporter Tegan Taylor on Jaggera and Turboland. Land.
1: And I'm physician and journalist Dr Norman Swan, speaking to you from Gadigal Land, which is part of the Eora Nation.
0: Norman, I want to take you back, we were talking about the beginning of the pandemic just now and take you right back to the beginning because in the last year or so we've he- we're hearing a lot about a lot of subvariants, subvariants of Omicron, but they're all part of the Omicron family. But back at the beginning, we were getting a new variant like every couple of months. We had the Wuhan variant, obviously, that's the OG, the original um, guy who put us into this mess that late 2019, hence the name. And then we had the alpha variant, which was sort of seen in the UK. We saw the the beta variant from South Africa, the delta variant, all in late twenty twenty. And then, of course, Omicron's like launch date is etched into my memory because we had just asked the CoronaCast listeners to let us know what they thought we should do. Yeah,
1: that's right. I mean, it was it was actually we every time we thought we were going to we'd done CoronaCast to death. And you, something else happened. So it was almost, we, we caused it. As I think there's a cause and effect relationship, just talking about it.
0: Yes, it's our fault for every variant that's popped up. But yeah, we they were they were sort of coming in quite thick and fast, and then recently we've all been kind of in the Omicron vibe family. Yep, yeah, everything's
1: in the Omicron of uh, Omicron. Even this BA two point eight six, the, the Parola that we talked about last week, it's p- still part of the Omicron family. Just earlier, you know, a variant a sub variant that comes branches branched off earlier than the XBB. But yeah, we're all within Omicron, and it's probably why. I mean, at least in Australia at the moment we've kind of bottomed out um, when you look at cases where well, you can't really we've said this before you can't really say from cases but you can look at hospitalizations and deaths and they're bottoming out as well we're at very low levels it's quite likely we're going to get another rise because that's the way it's gone before and we've got these new subvariants that will come from overseas or evolve here and we will get another rise the question is how high will that be the rises have been lower and lower but remember what we said, if they go on for longer, you still get quite large numbers of people infected and involved. But at the moment, we're in a pretty good spot.
0: And can we talk about the way those numbers work a little bit? Because as we've discussed uh, many times before, when we were doing lots of testing, lots of PCR testing, and then later lots of rapid antigen testing, we were and people were required to report that, we had really good fairly good handle on the numbers. Nowadays, people aren't required to report that. They're probably not reporting a lot of infections. But one thing that is a bit more reliable is hospitalizations and deaths. And while we don't want to see anyone fall into hospital or, or die from this illness, it does give us a pretty solid sense that there aren't many people getting to that stage with covid which either means there's not a lot of it going around or it's not actually as people aren't aren't suffering as badly as they used to probably because of previous infection and vaccination
1: so it's probably a combination of all those i think what's happening at the moment so for example i think the rolling average at uh, the time of the time we we're recording this podcast is about 900 nationally and we were it wasn't so long ago this year that we were getting 900 in new south wales alone So it's not nothing. Um, So it's still a teaching hospital equivalent full nationally rather than a teaching hospital full um, effectively in terms of the number of beds in a single state. So it's still a lot of people taking up beds that could otherwise be free. And I think it's a combination of factors. There are biological factors we'll talk about in a moment, but it's... uh, Immunization, even though immunization is imperfect in terms of people who've had their boosters, it's antivirals being used probably more effectively and more usefully in high-risk groups and earlier enough. It's probably that there is a little bit less virus around, therefore not that you know, you're not getting mass infection at the moment. And there are all sorts of other issues too.
0: So we're better at it. People aren't falling as sick with it. Is this sort of the beginning of the end of the pandemic phase of COVID?
1: Well, it depends on how you define pandemic. Um, I think most people who work in HIV would say that HIV is still a pandemic. It's We just don't talk about it quite as much as we used to, but it's still a pandemic. It's on every continent of the world, pretty much. It's better controlled in richer countries with um, antivir- antiretrovirals. But it's still a pandemic. It's affecting every continent in the world. And you can argue that COVID-19 is still a pandemic. It may be at lower levels, but you don't have to have very high levels of an infection for it to be a pandemic. And um, so we're still in pandemic phase. So it's a bit academic. The question is, how do these things evolve? How do we get to where we are? And it's a really complicated story, in terms of how we evolve with a germ. Mm. And it's a dance. And it's a dance that, according to a recent paper, has probably got about 11, maybe 11 variables working that, that that modify this dance. So you've got us. So if you go back in history, us now, probably we have genes that have are, that are resistant to plague, the Black Death, to smallpox some groups may have some resistance to tuberculosis. Um, It's thought that um, Scots, for example, have some resistance to uh, tuberculosis that's evolved, is that people who, one way of catching tuberculosis was by swallowing the germ, the bacterium, and uh, if you've got a high level of acid in your stomach, you probably kill the tuberculosis germ. And Scotland had very high levels of duodenal ulcers. Mm -hmm. Which thought was thought to be a selection process from tuberculosis. Are you one of those Scots? So that's an interesting question because my family came to Scotland from Russia and Ukraine at the turn of the 19th, 20th century. And it's a similar story with Jews living in ghettos that they probably had a resistance to tuberculosis. And there are diseases, one particular disease in Jewish populations called Tay-Sachs disease, a very nasty um, genetic disorder of children. And that's a very high prevalence in Jewish populations. And it's thought that the if you carry the gene for Tay-Sachs, you also have res- some resistance to tuberculosis, probably from close living in ghettos.
0: Oh, this is like sickle cell anemia as well as a, um, evolution against malaria.
1: Correct. So that's over centuries that you get this genetic effect of when there was no vaccines, there were no antibiotics, and those who survived might have had a genetic propensity or a social propensity. So if you take the Black Death, the people, the highest mortality rates um, in the 14th and 15th centuries were the poor, who lived in low-lying areas, in, in, in poor housing, and the rich, while they got it, did not get it to the same extent. And so, housing, how society is constructed, and so on, can affect our genes now in that dance of host versus microbe over time. In a modern environment, then you throw in the genetics of the bugs. So, for example, with COVID and with flu, they mutate. And they mutate, and COVID is mutating around our defences. So to survive, the new sub-variants of COVID are evolving, which can get round our defences. It's not a conscious thing. It's just that there'll be millions and millions of these bugs, and one or two of them in all these millions will have just by the play of chance we'll have a res- will be able to resist our immune system and they have a survival advantage so there's the genetics of the of the bug there's the temperature outside and whether the the bug can the virus or the bacterium can survive it's our age if you're older you may be able to harbor more of these bugs and spread them more your gender may may affect this too. There are lots and lots of variables which determine the behaviour of the germ and the behaviour of us and whether we get disease and how many of us get the disease. So we are seeing, thanks to uh, the fact that we've only had Omicron for the last 12-18 months, we've um, therefore we've developed some resistance to the Omicron family. Most of us have had at least two immunisations hopefully more of us will get boosters so we've got background we've got a combination of the vaccine immunity and natural immunity nobody really knows the speed of mutation anymore because we're not really measuring it very well so the, the bug is certainly mutating but maybe not quite as much if there's less around but we don't know if that there's less around
0: okay so coming back to the question when would we well, what what sort of is the hallmark of the end of the pandemic phase of covid
1: Nobody knows the answer to that question.
0: I thought you were going to give me something really tidy there.
1: Maybe somebody does, but I don't. Um, <laughs> I think that what we're seeing here is a quite, a relatively quiescent period due to high background immunity. And I think that the best way to look at this is a bit like influenza, even though it's a very different bug from influenza, is that influenza, we have seasonal influenza. And by the way, COVID is not yet seasonal. So some people say that when COVID is, COVID-19 is seasonal, that's the end of the pandemic and it's not yet seasonal. So that's what one pe- some people say but it's going to be more like influenza where it, in this case not seasonal but it comes and it goes in waves and that every so often and it might be every 10 years, every 15 years or every 8 years we don't know there'll be a pandemic version a new pandemic version of covid-19 which has gone into animals spun out we're not used to it and it rages against our inadequate immunity and we succumb in large numbers again although we've got technology now to help defeat that but With flu, nobody's complacent about flu and nobody should be complacent about COVID-19 moving forward.
0: Oh, well, we'll keep our eyes on it then, Norman, but we'll leave it there for this week. See you next time. See you then.